Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, November 28th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And joining us for the first time, Mara Whiteside. Hey guys. Mara, thank you for joining us. You guys might know Mara if you guys read the website. Um, She has been writing many reviews every week and doing a fantastic job, so we are really happy to have her on the show for the first time. Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> so, Mara, you uh, people out there have heard us prattle on about ourselves over and over and over again for nary, you know, 60 episodes at this point. Um, why don't you tell people at home a little about yourself? Well, uh, <laughs> if I'm going to give the stock answer that I say about everywhere, I am a doctoral graduate student right now with a focus on school psychology, which is uh, the ability to help kids learn better in their classroom and I have a special focus on reading and comprehension and I've also managed to work comic books and graphic novels into that so that um, basically for homework and such I read a lot of graphic novels and write about them in an educational focus wow wow maybe we should have you on as a guest yeah forget (laughs) as a (laughs) co-host and you you brought some of that to that uh, that red she-hulk review you did uh, a couple weeks back (laughs) yes Yes, um, I, I like to drop some psychology bombs on people occasionally <laughs> when I see fit. Um, so, uh, tell us a little about your interests as far as comic book goes. Do you, uh, what company are you a fan of more? Or what types of books do you like? Well, uh, I basically, if it, if it has a female lead character, that's my driving force. And uh, I like to get on my soapbox and let people know that if there's a female creator, female artist female character, anything of that nature, I'm going to buy it. And that's because I know that my money is my vote for what I want to see in the comic book industry. So I I really try to give a lot of the female superhero books a try at least once. And um, actually giving Catwoman another another try now. But I'm starting to branch off into more of the the smaller books. Um, Actually just bought the first volume of um, Fatal. Nice. Uh, yeah, I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward towards more image books in IDW and a little bit of Oni Press. I think uh, was it Courtney Crumren? Yeah. Oh, that's been awesome. I, I I put it on my subscription list a couple weeks ago, so I should be getting it um, pretty soon when it when it comes out. But I'm 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 big on female creators and female characters. Awesome. So, who are some of your favorites right now? Then Batwoman. I every month that one comes out and I just you know I always I tend to bring it to school with me and whoever 
stops by my office, I pull him in and say, look at this, look at this <laughs> picture. <laughs> it gets to the point where people start avoiding me if I, you know, on Thursdays. But um, also, uh, Rachel Rising is fantastic book. And I, I love Terry Moore and everything he's done that I've read so far. Um, I'm also a big Rogue fan. Nice. Nice. All right. So that's a little bit more. I'm sure we'll learn more about her as we as we go along mm-hmm. here. Um, so let's uh, kick right off uh, with some books of the week. Bef- um, I guess do you guys want to do books of the week first or should we just get the Marvel Now stuff out of the way? Or is Marvel Now going to be incorporated heavily into our books of the week? <laughs> that's <laughs> my well, question I, I, to all of you. That's a lot of choices. I pull those things out figuring Separately? they'd be separate. Okay. Yeah. So let's start with a little Marvel Now stuff. First of all, Mara, I mean, we've obviously been kind of diving full into this Marvel Now stuff. Um, what has been your take on it so far? I'm, you know, I've never really expressed interest in reading Captain America or Iron Man or Hulk or any of those those big Marvel titles. I'm more of like the Captain Marvel. Um, I've been giving Red She-Hulk a try because, well, it's Red She-Hulk and mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. I haven't read before. But I'm not, I'm not really into it right now. It's just, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. And if they had more female characters and female titles, I'd probably be more stoked about it. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so that kind of leads us into, um, we'll talk about our first Marvel Now book. Steve, you reviewed Journey into Mystery. Was it 646? It was 646. Sif uh, taking over the lead. Uh, Catherine Immonen uh, yes. taking over writing duties. What did you think of the book, Steve? I thought that it was wonderful, Bobby. <laughs> uh, it really is. It's really good. If you want um, another book, you like strong female characters. Um, in the Thor universe, it's hard to get any uh, tougher, more important, and more um, I guess charismatic. She's awesome. She is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, than Sif in uh, in the Nine Realms. The book is really, really funny. It's uh, it's a good way to introduce you into the world of Thor and all the people that come with it. Um, it's got a lot of snark to it, mm-hmm. which I love in the female characters. I, when when they're they're funny, they draw me in uh, a lot more. And there's like it, every single page of this has like laugh out loud moments while still remaining serious in it in its mission yeah. and what she wants to do. And it's basically about Sif wanting to be a better warrior and she's just in search of adventure and in search of ways to improve herself as a warrior then of course she ends up you know unearthing something bad and so on and so forth um but it's very like it's a very playful book i think like a lot of the marvel now stuff is kind of taken a very serious face in their delivery Mm -hmm. and this book kind of like put its feet up a little bit yeah and uh it was really fun and i love the art it was very reminiscent of like an old um like a fable or some kind of uh, like a disney tale or something like that like not as cartoony and not as cute mm-hmm. but still has like the really vibrant colors and all the magic and all like the the majesty of those things so um i thought it was awesome yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because you're absolutely right. It does have a very snarky tone to it most of the time, and then it takes a much more serious turn at the end of the book where what you might have taken as completely snark, you know, and maybe it's maybe it's more Sif's shield than her personality. Okay, a defense mechanism. Yeah, right. because you can tell by the end of this book that she's in a very dark place. You know, she's yeah. willing to give up things that maybe you wouldn't think this character would be willing to give up in order to attain a a higher prowess as a warrior. And it's for a good reason. She's not doing it out of a selfish reason. She's doing it because she wants to protect 
the people that she loves and she's tired of seeing people die you know over and over again they're supposed to be the protectors of the universe and the universe just keeps getting beat down um so I find it interesting. I, I, you talked about, I think it was you last week, you talked about uh, Catherine Immerman's writing. Yeah. Now it can get a little bit confusing yeah. sometimes. I found that to be true in this book yeah. uh, to a certain extent. Um, but that's not to say, like, you know, Gillen's writing in The Pastoring to Mystery also got confusing at times. So I liked it. I just, I, I, I don't know. I didn't go crazy for it. I didn't go crazy for it until the second read. Okay. Um, it's Catherine Amonin, and in, in my opinion, I've read a couple of, of her things now. It takes two reads mm-hmm. to really find the pacing of her writing. I find that a lot of the times it's very um, things that you haven't heard of, things you're not familiar with, and they just kind of gloss over it. Yeah. But upon a second reading, it just, I don't know, for me, it, it reads better. Okay. Um, I got a lot more clarity out of the issue. I do agree with you. I really, no, the first thing I, when I put it down, I was like, I really liked it, but it's gonna, it's gonna require further investigation. Like I didn't write the review for, uh, for it until I read it about three times because mm. I just wanted to make sure. Um, I've compared her stuff to, to like a, um, a Chuck Palahniuk novel mm-hmm. that like each one of them has its own, tone and its own pace. well it always sounds like him but it's oh yeah it has its own pacing like yeah. one about like 40 something pages into it you start to get used to the rhythm of the book and then you can just run with it and on the second read i caught that rhythm yeah and it read it, it was just like jumping right back into journey into mystery with a little bit of a twist to it mm-hmm. um and i love i love the humor of it like the, when she she goes to this dragon that hmm. eats the bones of everybody that dies yeah and she just walks up to it and throws a rock at its face. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, get up. <laughs> and it just, it reminded me of like an old, something you would have seen in the 80s on like Nickelodeon or the Muppets or something mm-hmm. with like an old uh, puppet dragon having a conversation with somebody like an old Hobbit's tail or something like that. And she's so in this thing's face, she's putting her sword right up to its eye and she's like, you know, tell me what I want to know. This thing could kill her at any, any time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But he's too tired to do it. Right, yeah. It's funny. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. know. I, I think it's hysterical. Yeah. Um, now, Bob, I know you didn't read this. Uh, but I did uh, sort of leaf through it in the store. Okay, and Sif is a character that's been around for a very long time, right? Yeah, oh, way, way back in the old yeah. journey into mystery in the old first time around. So what do you think about her getting her own book? It's been a long time in coming. She was There were the Warriors 3, and there was always Sif, mm-hmm. who was hanging around more. I'm just looking at this dragon getting a punk <laughs> in the head. Uh, awesome. when, I, when I went through it in the store, I, I, I saw the dichotomy that you guys are talking about. It, there was this whole funny first section that I, I got near the back. It's, oh, wait a minute. This is something else altogether. Yeah. And so I should be really take a pass through this, we're saying. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Um, Mara, is it a book that you're interested in checking out? Actually, um, my boyfriend and I split our, our pool list with each other. Okay. And so instead of each of us only getting six or seven comics a week, we have a combined of usually 14 to 15. And he picked up Journey to Mystery this week. and Wise took it to man. Work. Yeah, he took it to work with him and um, been texting me pictures of the funniest panels today. So <laughs> I'm actually, it's, it's actually nice knowing that there's a bit of humor in a superhero book like this with a female lead. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm actually really excited to, to sit down and read it. Hopefully later tonight. It does take a, a, a it seems like it does take a page from the previous Journey to Mystery stuff that Gillen is doing. It, it seems yeah. to you know she's obviously sticking to her own claim, but 
the tone remains a little bit the same, you know? I mean... Well, she's a warrior of Asgard. Yeah. You know, it's going to have a hard edge to it. Yeah. But she's got that... Like, it's becoming like a... a like, it's always been there, but it hasn't... It seems like lately with, like, Captain Marvel that the... um the more playful attitudes in female comic characters, at least the more popular, the more the ones that are in the forefront, mm-hmm. that they're becoming funny again. Yeah. Um, and I think Sif is a really good um, addition to that. Yeah, absolutely. You oh, know? absolutely. It's, I, it's great that she's there. Sorry, Sif, I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I just, it's, I, I have a lot of enthusiasm for it because I like, like the, I keep going back to it, but the, the Stephanie Brown Batgirl um, issue with the, the Dracula is all coming mm-hmm. out of the movie. Like, that is the perfect comic of like best friend humor and all the the hijinks and whatever and it's just that tone and that that part of a of a character of them being funny while still mm-hmm. being serious and being able to do both and you know make you laugh for like 12 pages and then hit you with something that also it makes you realize that this funny character also has a really hard edge to them and you're going to get into some serious stuff. Yeah. You know, it was like the first page or the first page of Thor, the new uh, God of Thunder, mm-hmm. where he's partying it up and he's drinking and he's, he's just sleeping around this and that. And then again, it, it hit you with a, a much more serious uh, tone. Yeah. And um, I just, I like the way Journey into Mystery kind of dabbles in both of those extremes mm-hmm. and they, and it, it's pulled off very, very well. Yeah. And unlike Thor, only shipping once a month. Yes. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. All right. Um, so moving uh, from Journey to Mystery into one of the characters Mara mentioned not being interested in reading, we have Captain America number one, uh, Rick Remender and John Romita Jr. Uh, Bob, you wrote the review of this mm-hmm. on the site. Ooh, tell us, you're a huge Captain America fan, obviously. He's way up on my list. Number yeah. two, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of this new take? Um well, it, it's an old and new take at the same time. Um, I've read a lot of Rick Remender stuff in Secret Avengers over the last couple of years and just wondering how dark he was going to get, what, where we're going to go with this. We go right to the beginning and you're going to see young Steve Rogers and see what forms his civilian identity, which will then inform his superhero one. And so you get 1926 tenement apartment boozing out of work father mother trying to support him you you always stand up yeah. is the line and yeah. it's just just perfect we get some lovely stuff with sharon carter it's going to be a human book it really is it does seem he, he's found that nice balance my one caveat with the thing he he has a lovely essay at the end that talks about the creators he loved and whatever and he has a fondness for the jack kirby late 70s period when he came back to marvel after leaving for dc in 71 and those books are, as I pointed out in my review, loved or loathed. Mm-hmm. For those of us who are reading Cap all the way through, when he was doing it before, it was written by Stan, uh, he followed Steve Englehart, who'd done a great job on the book, and then it went really goofy. Mm-hmm. And Arnim Zola, which you guys know from the movie, yeah. is, is this guy with his face in his chest, yeah. who never quite worked when Kirby was doing it. It's a great design. The character never worked. It looks like here he's going to work. It's mm-hmm. like Remender may have found attack with him. He's a really bad scientist doing all sorts of terrible things. We put Steve into some really tough situations. You see him struggle and get through it, and then he has something else to deal with, which we've never seen before. I'm not yeah. spoiling anything yeah. because some people haven't read this yet. Mm-hmm. Um, really looking forward to it. I'm a little iffy with the art, as we've discussed before. Mm-hmm. I would right. still make that Greg Land for John Romita trade. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Um, I don't know that it's going to work here, 
but we'll see. It's mm-hmm. still early. I'm looking forward to issue two. Want to see how this one starts to turn out? Yeah, Steve, did you read it? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Um, <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect from it. I don't know if I got everything that Bob got out of it, but he's he makes a good case. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's no way we got out of what Bob got out of it. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Well, it's it's my first Captain America book ever. Really? So yeah, I've never read a, a you know a solo, solo. or whatever mm-hmm. uh, of his. And I, I remember enjoying it, but I also know that it didn't resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying, I, re, I read it just a few days ago and I'm already starting to forget mm-hmm. what it was about. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm definitely, I remember I'm going to definitely check out another issue or two, but um, I don't know. I guess I'm, I still need to investigate a little bit more, but I wasn't against it. Yeah. I, I found it to be quite interesting and I, I like that he's going so far away from the Brubaker Yes. Uh, model and, and and he mentions that he mentions like the, the only way to follow up Brubaker's run is to just come take it in a completely different uh, direction mm-hmm. because you can't you can't do what he did as well as he did it it's just impossible uh, you know I've read a little bit of Captain America but not much more than you see but I mean I think I read the first arc I read the Winter Soldier storyline mm-hmm. um, where Bucky is reintroduced uh, other than that I've never really really read a soul Captain America mm-hmm. book America book either so uh it's not what i expected you know i do like that it gets a little bit crazier um i really love the beginning i i i I love the i love that idea of framing devices you know i love the idea of that line being something that permeates through his entire Mm -hmm. existence and um you know the classic one is obviously the spider-man one that everyone knows a million times over but it means something and to be able to have that with a character i think really helps attach you emotionally to moments that maybe wouldn't hit as hard if that line didn't exist. Absolutely right. You know, because there's even a moment in this where you feel that emotion happen and it only got established, you know, 10, 15 pages beforehand. So I, I really like that. Um, I liked the art. I mean, I don't I don't go crazy for it. I think it's definitely better than the work he was doing in Avengers versus X-Men. Oh, absolutely. Because I think <laughs> he actually has time yeah. to sit there and, you know, write it out and, 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 you know, pencil it out and, you know, he's not rushing to finish six issues in a month and a half. Yeah. Um, His quiet moments, though, still seem so much more. Right. You know, he and Sharon talking mm-hmm. seem genuine and real and human mm-hmm. and the action sequences, just they're not as postery as Jim Lee or something mm-hmm. like that or certainly with the way Greg Land draws right. or swipes whatever he's doing <laughs> over there. But it, it's just a little weightless for me. Mm-hmm. Again, I someone described it as very sort of square or blocky, mm. um, and there is some of that. But part of that is the way that they're trying to make the costume look more like the movie costume. Why does Captain America need a utility belt? By the way, I mean, what is he carrying there? Turtle wax for the shield? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't quite get it. He's got like smoke pelts and stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, and and bat shark repellent yeah, that he borrowed maybe. from Batman on <laughs> nice. their one crossover. Nice. <laughs> But that said, you know, he is one of my favorite characters. It's nice to see. It seems like the person who's writing it gets it. Mm-hmm. And there'll be ups and downs. Certainly there is, with, even with Brubeck, with anybody else who's ever done it. You know, Stan yeah. had trouble finding. In the mid-60s, what was Captain America? What did he stand for? Right. And so he struggled with that. He ended up, you know, getting him the Falcon as a partner, which changed that whole dynamic. Okay, now it was street level and right. things that Hydra and AIM were doing were like, oh, this is this is going to affect regular people. Mm-hmm. So Cap was a hero of the people again. And Englehart went very political and did some retro stuff. 
Brubaker went spy. And so here, just as you're saying, he had to go somewhere else to get out of that shadow. Yeah. And oh, I think absolutely. he's found a nice take on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the truth too. I mean, yeah, Brubaker's is a very secret agent story and this is obviously not going to be doing that. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next. This first issue didn't set me on fire. That's for sure. But I, I did really, really like it. Um, maybe it's a good thing it didn't set me on fire. Cause you know, that would, yeah, it would be yeah. tough to do the show today. It's true. It's absolutely <laughs> would be. Uh, <laughs> So, Mara, why don't you have any interest in reading a Captain America book? I have um, limited finances. Right. <laughs> and I'm already spending way too much money on comics a week. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a matter of priorities for me and looking at what I think would be a successful book that doesn't need my weekly or monthly support mm-hmm. and the books that I want to see keep being published month to month. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to reading Captain America's, Captain America's story if I knew someone who had it. Like, if one of my friends picked it up or um, I read it at Barnes & Noble or something. But um, I'm, I'm just not inclined to go out and buy, buy it at this point. Fair enough. Makes sense. It's a practical yeah. reason, not necessarily. It, a, yes. Yeah. It's definitely not hatred toward the character. I think he's a great character. Mm-hmm. I just... You hate I, America. Dude. <laughs> That'd be horrible. There'll um, be no gas rationing stamps for you in the next war. That's it. Oh. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's a matter of practicality for me. And reading what Marvel now is putting out and trying to figure out where I'm going to jump on and what I can afford to jump on, that's, that's the biggest issue. And the same thing with the DC reboot. Mm-hmm. Totally makes sense. Absolutely. So um, the last of the big uh, new Marvel Now books that came out uh, this week was The Indestructible Hulk uh, by Mark Wade um, and art by Lionel Yu. Um, so Mark Wade, I wrote the review of the book and I think it's great. Uh, you know, Mark Wade, you know, the analog between this and Daredevil, which you would on the surface think is not very connectable, you know, mm-hmm. uh, is very connectable because he does exactly... Uh, for Bruce what he did for Matt which is strip away all of the you know emo-ness of the character <laughs> all of the the whine all of the I, I, I hate what I have to be and I'm so sad about the fact that I have this this gift or this curse or what have you and have Bruce just go you know what I'm a freaking genius um, I'm tired of spending all of my time trying to cure this thing that i have so which i can't cure and so all that happens is i spend all of my my valuable time trying to stop the hulk from coming out so when he does come out not only have i failed but i'm also just destroying things and so the only Mm -hmm. thing i'm known for is the hulk destroying things Mm -hmm. um he's tired of tony stark and reed richards getting all of this you know humanitarian awards and all this great press and them saving the world left Mm -hmm. and right and basically they just throw him at things like a battering ram you know, um, so he decides, okay, I'm going to spend all the time I'm not the Hulk doing amazing things. And then when I am the Hulk, just push me in the right direction and I'll do, you know, I'll do good for you. It's, you know, he's not going to go off. As long as I trust you, he is not going to fight you. He's going to fight for you. Um, uh, so I found that set up to be, it's really simple because it doesn't, it doesn't give it, there's no gimmick. There's no, the Hulk is smart. There's no, the Hulk and Bruce are different people. It's just a attitude adjustment for our lead character. And I think it does wonders immediately for the book. Because Bruce is allowed to be 
freer and more fun. And he, he's, you know, he's not Tony Stark, you know, and some of his, his humor is a little bit mean. He's being, he, you can tell he's angry about his position in life. Um, he's always angry. He is always <laughs> angry. Uh, but, you know, he does have more personality uh, immediately. Um, Steve, what did you think? Um, I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I really, it was the, I don't want to say, I mean, I knew that it was going to be good mm-hmm. or I, I had really high hopes for it, but, um, it's one of those books that just, I read it and I put it down. I was like, yes, mm-hmm. um, this is the kind of, I've kind of struggled with Hulk. I've tried to get into him even when Jason Aaron was writing him and I liked it, but I, I obviously didn't like it enough cause I kind of fell off, uh, collecting it. And when that, that happens, it's like a clear indication yeah. to me that I really wasn't paying attention. And um, I just I, I put it down and I said, finally, I'm like, this is the Hulk book that I want to read because I personally, as as little of, of him as I'd read, I was already tired of the struggle and the split and just the the constant every con- I felt like not every conversation, but damn near every conversation was about how he's struggling with, you know, them being apart or, you know, how do I do this and how do I become that? And I'm just like, oh, can we just smash something? Yeah. You know, and then also, you know, they kind of, with the Avengers movie, they've kind of established him or reestablished him really as being a smart person and a scientist and somebody that can work beside uh, Tony Stark mm-hmm. and that they're equals. Yeah. That was the thing, like, in the Avengers, that they were just, they had such a great chemistry that he deserves to be there with Reed Richards and Tony Stark and, you know, all those types of people that are looked at as being, like, the the think tanks or, you know, Beast from X-Men, stuff like that. Um, the Bruce Banner character has a lot to offer. And I think that if they just focused more on the action bits of when he's the actual Hulk versus him having a personality and being an important character Mm -hmm. as Bruce Banner and being like a huge contribution to what's going on in the Marvel Universe, I think it'll really bring people further into his character. And the next time we see him on screen... It'll people be that much more invested in him. Yeah, it it, it turns into a fact where you're no longer just like the Avengers movie did. You're not watching Bruce Banner going, okay, when is the Hulk going to come? <laughs> you know, because that's that to me has been what it's always been for me. And every Hulk book I've read, even the Edward Norton, Edward Norton Hulk movie, which I think is pretty good, I, I'm still just waiting. Okay, when are you going to turn into the Hulk? Because um, I'm tired of watching you be sad all the time. And then you know, uh, uh, so this book changes that. Um, it's also, you know, it also does this thing where most superheroes, you know, whether they're in the costume or in their regular clothes, they're still the same person. So you can have a lot of character moments, even when they're in the costume or when they're out of the costume. With the Hulk, you really have to be very judicious about how rich your character moments are because when he's the Hulk, yeah, he can do things and he has a little bit of emotional range. But you're not gonna get, you know, deep character moments with him um, when he's hulked out. So, not for a long time. He his he's changed so much over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been Banner. He's been half Banner. They've been split into pieces and so on and so forth. Back in the '70s, he was uh, reference him Solomon Grundy. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, sort of, he could think and talk and speak and feel, and he was in the Defenders and have conversations with, you know, uh, Magic Guy and, you know, right. Fish Man and whatever. And, uh, <laughs> he's just insulting to them all the time. But 
that's gone away, and he just became really a loose cannon to just smash stuff around. Mm-hmm. The la- I just read it here as we sat here. Yeah. Um, I mean, Greg Peck's run was fun, but that all led to World War Hulk and all that. That just got tiresome really quickly. Um, the last time it was fun to read was Peter David, which mm-hmm. goes back now a decade. Right. Where at one point it was Banner inhabiting the Hulk's body, working for some the, the pantheon, this group what? of sort of semi yeah, <laughs> semi godlike characters trying to do right on planet Earth, and so all of a sudden he had a, a motive to do what he did, and found joy in being the Hulk and being able to do some good. And I think that's where we're at here. But now you have the split and get to see the Banner side be very proactive about. No, I'm, I don't want to leave this legacy anymore. I want to do something right for a change. Yeah. I mean, about the art, I think the art in the action scenes is beautiful. I think it, it doesn't hold up as well in the dialogue scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it takes away from Wade's script, but I don't think it enhances what we're seeing on the page. I mean, I think the action stuff looks beautiful, and I, 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 and I don't think his panels are ever muddled or confusing. I think even his dialogue storytelling is really good, um, as far as in our perspective goes, but it's just his people are a little bit stiff. You know, mm-hmm. there isn't as uh, there isn't as dynamic as I'd like it to be. Um, but that being said, it's amazing to me. I mean, Mark Wade now, you know, he has this. He has Daredevil. He has um, C to Mrs. Peel. He has Rocketeer. Rocketeer. Um, he has the Green Hornet coming. Um, you know, he he's been in this business for what 20, 20 years, twenty five years, probably easily. Yeah, yeah, and. He seems to be hitting his stride at the moment, and it's great. It's going to be great to keep reading this book. And you know, Daredevil came out this week as well, and it was it was awesome as it always is. And um, it's just great to see him taking a character who has not been, you know, not been in a bad place, but certainly hasn't been in an exciting place probably in, in quite a long time. And this book is definitely really exciting. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Mark Wade. You can't go wrong with Mark Wade, so check it out. Yeah. All right, so that's it for the new Marvel Now books. Um, we also had Deadpool number two that came out this past week, which was hilarious and great. Yes, it was fun. Um, and people should be picking that book up. But let's move on from that stuff. What have we got as far as books of the week? Bob, why don't you start out? Okay, just quickly on some things. Uh, speaking of Deadpool, X Factor 247, we have dead presence in Deadpool. We have dead Robert E. Lee. <laughs> Uh, having married people over an X Factor for some reason. So it's a very good month for dead, famous people coming back to life. Uh, speaking of Mark Wade, Steed and Mrs. Peel was great. That's it looks to be ongoing. And Rocketeer for, I mean, dinosaurs, Rocketeer, the 30s, the 40s, Los I have, Angeles. Uh, all four of those. I'm going to read them. I'm looking uh, forward to it. You're going to just absolutely love that. Um, it's dinosaurs. <laughs> and then to the actual two books of the week. One is. It's a, it's a replica edition of the first graphic novel ever from 1949. It is called It Rhymes with Lust. And it's <laughs> Arnold Drake who created the Doom Patrol for DC and wrote uh, for the X-Men and Metamorpho, whatever. And uh, Leslie Walker, an art by Matt Baker, uh, who is the good girl artist, the Dave Stevens of the 1940s. Uh, so this is sort of a crime novel about murder and political intrigue and uh, manipulative women. And let me just, uh, you don't mind if I read this? No, little? absolutely not. Okay, uh, okay. it's about this newspaper man, Hal Weber, comes into Copper City. Follow him as he weaves through a tangled net of double-crossed dynamite and disaster with a woman who bartered torrid kisses for his soul, a man who spoke with a thirty-eight automatic and a girl in whose shining eyes he saw reflected the tattered rags of his conscience. 
Sounds like my love life. <laughs> there you go. It's good for a straight line. Uh, it's really fun. Dark Horse put this out a little bit ago. It's like fourteen ninety five. It's like got Jamie Lee Curtis it, on the cover. It might as well, yeah, with her short red hair. Uh, but my actual book of the week, which is kind, is going to be a surprise to everyone. It's the Avengers. Oh my God! What? <laughs> Stop the press. Yes, yes. It's Avengers thirty four. Uh, is this one of those like reversal things where you you shit all over it? No, no, no. I can, I see where you're coming from because I picked up the past couple months of Avengers after almost a year of not reading it, and it's been great lately. I've been I've been crapping all over it for the better <laughs> for the better part of a year, just on the tone and everything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is sad though that the final Avengers issue that that Brian Bennis is going to write is probably the best one that he that he's done. Um. He's brought back Jan, Simon, restored them to, you know, the good graces of the team. It's just a fun, wonderful adventure filled with lovely dialogue and and real emotion and, you know, the whole finish of we've got to get bigger, which will lead to what it is. But it's just interesting that he's put all the toys back in the box mm-hmm. before he exits the stage, and I just found that really charming. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's, you know, maybe he's going, okay, I did my thing and I played with my things, and you know, a lot of people think I destroyed some of it, but I'm not going to leave that baggage for the next person who walks right. in. Let Hickman do what he's going to do. Here's all the pieces back, and now you get to do what you want to do. Am. So, um, but Mara, you've been reading the Avengers. Uh, well, I haven't read this latest issue, okay. but I picked up, um, I think, 31. And I put it aside. I have this bad habit where I read one or two comics and then the rest get into a stack. And that stack grows to be about four or five inches before I hit it again. (laughs) So I had about three of them I read back to back to back. And I was I was really impressed because I left I left the Avengers right after the Infinity Gauntlet um, where they were going back with Medusa and Xavier to get all the gems. It was a while back. Yeah. And I was just a burnout on it. I didn't like the artwork. It was um, Ramita was still working on it, mm-hmm. I think. And I was just like, I don't want to spend my money on it anymore. And then I randomly picked it up, and I really, I've really, i been really liking it. And I am sad that it is ending now <laughs> that I've gotten back into it. I'm not sure if I'll pick up Hickman's run or not, but um, more likely or not, either I'll pick it up or my boyfriend will. <laughs> um, who's doing the art right now? Uh, this was Brandon Peterson. Okay. He did that uh that tw- like that twenty four point one issue or something yes. the one with uh, the vision, uh yeah and that was great art in that so well it it very it was very fitting here because there, despite all the action sequences just as much stuff of importance is happening at a cocktail party, <laughs> and it's just the facial expressions of these people who are obviously enjoying each other's company after as I've described it before the last seven years have been very bad for the Avengers which means in real time it's been about a year of real hell. <laughs> As things, their mansion's been blown up five times, and the world's been invaded three, and they fought each other for a year. Uh, just wonderful issue. It's great. Um, <laughs> it's just too late for me and him. <laughs> for Mr. Bendis, he's moving on, and Mr. Hickman will take over. And I just want to make sure I said something positive, and it's because I truly feel it. Nice. That's great. Um, any more books you want to talk about, Bob? Nope. That's it. All right, Mar. What about you? What is your uh, book of the week? Well, if I had to pick one. Uh, it's actually a toss-up between Uncanny X-Force uh, 34 and uh, Batwoman 14, I believe, came out this week. Yep. Um, it's it's really difficult to compete with Batwoman um, for a, a book of the week when that comes out because it's automatically the first thing I read, most important. 
spoke to me. It's it's one of those where I, I just really it's like eating dark chocolate. Like you just sit there <laughs> and you just like hold on to it as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And when you're done, you just kind of like sit and relax, and then you enjoy enjoy it again. Right. But, <laughs> you eat the chocolate some more. <laughs> <laughs> you eat more of it. Um, but Uncanny X Force. I mean, I'm I'm really upset that the next issue is its last issue because it's it's really. I mean, it's incredible, and it's one of those where, uh, I mean, I, I have the whole series, and anytime someone comes over, I'm like, here, take this issue with you, and, you know, read these four issues and tell me what you think. It, it's, it's a matter of um, trying to get more people interested in it, even though it's about to finish, um, really pushing for people to read the trades, and one thing that's really stood out to me about the series in general is how much humanity is put in the characters. And that's one thing you, you tend to lose with superhero comics is where things get so big and so massive that, you know, it, it tends to be a lot of action and, and not a lot of um, the, the feelings behind it. But X-Force, despite being a team of characters who go out and kill, uh, they, they have a lot of personal conflict. And that really shows not only in the artwork, but in the way Remender writes it. So you've been on this series since uh, Remender, the start of Remender's run? Yeah. Um, yes. And would you say that it's been, um, you know, wh- where's a good place for people to jump on? They, they have to start at the first, or is there an arc that especially oh, they goodness. should read? Um, well, the, the, the final arc ties directly back with the first one. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's very, because um, in the first arc is when you meet the uh, clone of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And this current arc is when that, that clone is grown up and it's Evan. Um, I guess spoiler, but not really yeah. he's in Wolverine and the X-Men. Right. Um, but you, he gets introduced in the, in the first arc of Uncanny X-Force mm-hmm. and it's a matter of what are we going to do with this child who could possibly kill us all. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, Wolverine being on the X-Force and running the Jean Grey school kind of, you know, says, we'll, we'll, we'll take him for a while, but it, it's tying back into that first arc. So really, I mean, I would recommend reading all 34, soon to be 35 issues of the series if you can get a hold of it. And uh, it's just every moment of it is has been really depressing, mm-hmm. yet makes you feel a little bit better about people in general. Wow. Hmm. Okay. So let me ask you. I mean, obviously that you know the the idea of a very dangerous uh, mutant, um, you know, and what to do with them was addressed in the much bigger. Uh, Avengers versus X-Men with the whole hope situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how are those two situations handled differently? And um, I think I know the answer, but which one do you think is handled better? Uh, well, um, the Apocalypse one isn't handled very well at all in the X-Force series. It's a lot of um, covering up mistakes and hiding things in the last possible minute and you know trying to figure out what to do with this young teenage boy who immediately is hated by everyone. In Hope's situation, it was just way too much pressure put on too young a girl who was very strong-willed. Mm-hmm. And in general, I just don't think the X-Men know how to raise kids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they keep trying, because it, it never turns out well. I mean, even with some of their their longer-running characters like Scott, Scott didn't turn out great. Something, no. something happened along the way. So, I don't know. I just don't think... I. I don't give them kids anymore. Let's, let's <laughs> <only be> <laughs> All right. So, um, Uncanny X Force and Batwoman. Uh, yes. S- Steve, what do you got for us? Do we want to talk about my book of the week? 
Are you, is, is your book of the week the book that's sitting right in front of you? Yeah. Um, well, we do want to talk about uh, you know Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, there's a big spoiler happening in Amazing Spider-Man. Do we maybe want to talk about my book of the week at the end? Yeah, we maybe we should do that. Because, <laughs> um, Mar, did you end up reading Amazing Spider-Man? No, but it's been spoiled to me anyway. Oh, okay. so <laughs> well, did yeah, that. Hold on, I'll say I'll say this. Um, I, is Rob going to be joining us next week? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. So we'll have to that. But what I say is this: since Mars been spoiled on it, but I don't want to spoil it for everybody um, who's listening, whoever maybe is waiting to read it, mm-hmm. um, like we did with the uh, um, what was it, the AVX thing we did. Yeah. We'll, we'll go to the end of the show. We'll play the theme, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the spoiler okay. in, in ASM. Um, do you want to say anything about it before that? Like Can right I talk now? about Spider Island instead? Yes, absolutely. Hey. Talk about Spider Island. <laughs> okay. Over the weekend, a long, long time ago, <laughs> yesterday, um, about it took me less than 48 hours. I read all of Spider Island. I read every mainline book. I read every companion. Um, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Um, it was spectacular. It was amazing. It was in my, it was probably the second, aside from AVX, which isn't really the greatest uh, springboard into giant... Uh, well, actually, no. Blackest Night was pretty big. Oh, yeah. Blackest Night is huge. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Mm-hmm. So, I have read a, a big... Th- anyway, I'm getting <laughs> off topic. Um, it was fucking awesome. <laughs> it was so... It was so action-packed, and it was so... It was so cool to see... Or to read Dan Slott, like there's so many characters. The X Men show up, the Avengers show up, old villains. There's you know people in cahoots and just all these different things happen throughout this gigantic event. That it was so cool to to read him writing these other characters and applying his just his personality and his way of dealing with everybody inside of this giant story. It was really interesting to uh, I, I keep wanting to say watch. Because, I mean, it really, it was, it was so visual, like, so highly visual. All the action was so fluent, much like um, the ultimate, the death of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. how it was just, like, page after page after page of something that felt continuous and moving and flowing and everything. And um, also, I mean, the the companion issues, mm-hmm. I think there was maybe, like, I mean, there were, there were a lot. There were at least, like, I'm going to say, like, 16 issues, maybe, or something like that, that were tie-ins. Only about three of them were duds. All the rest wow. of them were, they were relevant. They added more to the story. They filled you in on things that you didn't get to see, but things that weren't pointless. Um, they gave minor characters purpose and, and put them in the forefront. And it, I, there's so many cool moments. I mean, I could talk about a few things, right? It's people have read oh, yeah, Spider, Spider Island. Island. Yeah, yeah. Um, everybody gets in fact basically he took the idea of the bed bugs how we had mm. in New York City we mm. had the, the bed bug outbreak uh, a good friend of mine actually had to you know throw everything out of his and do the whole thing and I, I brought this arc up to him that um, people got bit by these bed bugs and it became an airborne virus going around Manhattan and everybody was granted spider powers so you have like housewives teachers five-year-olds policemen all you know web slinging around the city um people that get superpowers that would allow themselves to be corrupted are looting they're turning themselves into their own supervillains and all all this like crazy 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 stuff is going on spider-man's right in the middle of it and so are all these other characters but it was just 
it was funny. It was engaging. It was touching. Um, seeing Mary Jane get spider powers mm-hmm. and just zipping around <laughs> the the city, or Carly fighting side by side with Peter, and mm-hmm. also this is the the big event where she finds out who he is. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of like the big like the big to do at the end. Mm-hmm. Um. So I got to see that. I never knew how that happened. Now I know. Um, and it was cool. Like I read the whole thing and I felt like I had like achieved something in, in the Spider-Man universe. <laughs> you know, like you read that big chunky thing and you get, you gain so much more knowledge of the characters and things that happened before what's going on in Amazing Spider-Man now and seeing like teeny tiny little flickers of ideas that might come up later that might tie into what's going on mm-hmm. in you know this final uh, arc for amazing spider-man and it's just it was such a like a ride i hate to be corny but <laughs> it was um there's one in particular uh thing in the companion thing that was my absolute probably my absolute favorite i wish i, rem- I wrote it down and remembered who it was by but there's this one issue of a i guess she's like a four or five year old girl these two um, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband and wife down and out on their luck. They want to steal from people to, to gain the upper hand once the virus is, is taken care mm-hmm. of and they don't have the powers anymore. So they break into this home and they tie the parents up and they, you know, the whole thing. And there's this little thing skittering around the living room. They have no idea what it is. It turns out to be like a three or four year old with spider powers who knows how to use the powers probably better than (laughs) spider-man and it's kind of like a spider-man meets home alone Mm -hmm. type of situation and it is absolutely just a laugh riot of this little five-year-old girl going about the house crawling on the walls webbing them up Mm -hmm. and just torturing them basically like home alone style with all these little tricks and stuff and the police come and they arrest them and they, they don't find out until the end of the of the issue that it was a five-year-old that bested them. <laughs> and it's it was just, I was cracking up. I was on the ferry with my headphones on and I had people like staring at me because I was I had like tears in my eyes. Um, there's this one panel where she, she actually, um, I guess, thwips or whatever onto a ceiling fan and rides the ceiling fan and just kicks out with her legs and kicks the the you know the burglars in the head however many times the way that it's drawn the way the light hits her as she moves through the motions is like the light follows her and it carries her around the thing and there's all these different expressions and um like positions of her body on her face. It is just too damn funny. <laughs> so if you, I, w- I want to talk more about it when Rob's here, maybe, mm-hmm. but if you haven't read spider Island, it's a huge commitment, but it is so, so, so worth it. Um, so anybody that's a huge Spider-Man fan, you haven't do you know, dived into it because it was expensive or whatever, save your money and pick it up. Uh, it also leads right into the uh, Scarlet Spider book. Yep, the new Scarlet Spider book that is out now, and uh, the only thing I've really read from it though is the uh, uh, there's a little Punisher thing where these mm-hmm. guys are robbing a bank. That was awesome too. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're talking about oh I got this buzzing in my head. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> Um, and it ends up being Spider-Cat. It has Spider-Cat. Yeah. Spider-Cat is amazing <laughs> with uh, the Venom Pigeon. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, the um, the the Greg Rucka uh, Punisher was the first issue in the Companion Guide or whatever, mm-hmm. Guide, Comic, Hardback, whatever. Right, yeah, yeah. And it has this really, really awesome like abstract artwork to it. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's very elongated and kind of like Wonderland-y, yeah. like stretched out and mm-hmm. stuff. 
And um, it's like it set the pace for that book because it was once I got done with Spider Island, I mean, that was huge. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I have a whole other book to read of all this tie in stuff. And I was like, is this going to be like AVX? Like, is this going to be only like half worth my time? <laughs> Am I going to be reading like, I didn't like the the Hercules. There were two issues that had to do with Hercules. I usually like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he's really funny. Wasn't very good. Gotcha. Um, and the, the, the Black Panther stuff was junk. But anyway, um, yeah, the Punisher thing had really set the pace for me and got me excited about the rest of the companion stuff. And I'd say about like three quarters of the companion uh, guides were fantastic and well worth reading. Cool. Yep. Awesome. Um, all right. And we will talk about Amazing Spider-Man uh, 698 at the end of the show. So I thought not to spoil sure. anything for anybody. Um, you know, for me, we t- really, I mean, Indestructible Hulk was really my book of the week. It was my favorite book that I read. But I will say that Hawkeye number four yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. is stupendous. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's a different artist right now. They're, him and Aja are... I don't want to just say him because it's he, he has a name. Um, Polito, his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Naja are switching off arcs uh, so they can kind of keep up. Uh, you know, the art is different. Same, you know, similar stylistically, but, mm-hmm. you know, obviously different. Um, but the way it kind of opens up the story, you know, it really is like it, it, it's – we talked about James Bond last week. It, it's like a James Bond story to me in, yeah. in a lot of ways and the way they're treating this book is that too it's every little either every issue or every mini arc is its own thing you know um i love the twist at the end of the issue i have a question for you when you're ready for it okay um and uh i, I think the sense of humor is still there everything about it, uh, it to me if it's not my favorite book, it's probably in my in my top five favorite books from Marvel right now. I so. love the relationship with Lady Hawkeye. Or oh, you yeah. Want to call she's her. amazing. Yeah, yeah. she's so is. funny. Yeah, she's absolutely great. Um, what's your question, Steve? Do you, do you think that, like, let's say, like, the whole premise is him um, trying to recover this tape. Yeah. Do you think that what's supposed to be on the tape when they, I think eventually that they're going to find the tape and they're going to play it and it's going to be something completely different. Oh, really? That he switched the tapes. Oh well, that's possible. Yeah, I that's could see. A, yeah. I could see that yeah. happening. Maybe a little, little Ocean's Eleven in the yeah in the thing. Um, uh, Mara, have you been uh, reading Hawkeye? I read the first two issues, and I liked them a lot. But um, again, that's that's a series my boyfriend picks up, and then he lends it to his students at school. So um, I don't get first dibs on those anymore. But it does sound interesting. I mean, I, I've really enjoyed what I've read of it. Pleasantly surprised. But I, I tend to like Matt Fraction's writing anyway, and um, the the humor that's put in it with like Pizza Dog and um, mm-hmm. what was it the Hawk Block was that what it, what it was called the what was it um what was I guess it was an issue that came after the one I read where um, it was like Hawkeye's face in a discreet location blocking. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. yeah. You know what I'm talking. Yes, like, I, I, talking I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a great book, and it, I will say it again. And I've said it each time it's come out. It's a book that people should be buying because it, it's even if it's a character you're not interested in, it, it, the book is so good that it will overcome. It'll make you interested. In yeah, that. it absolutely will. No, he's failed a couple of times solo or miniseries. Yeah. People never got a handle on it. This is the wisecracking Clint Barton from way back in Avengers 16 when he mm-hmm. joined. It's that same edge. Needs to prove himself, particularly to Cap somehow. Yeah. But he's he's out there fighting he's, he, with limited resources. He's still yes. in there pitching. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. 
All right, so um, that's it for our uh, books of the week. We are going to take a little break. We're going to come back and talk about some comic book movie rumors. Alright, we are back, and we are going to be talking about some uh, comic book movie news and some rumors as well. The, the last couple days has been rich with those two things. Let's start out with um, something confirmed first. Um, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart are returning to the X-Men universe as Magneto and Pro- Professor Charles Xavier in X-Men Days of Future Past, which is going okay. to be... Op- Um, which confirms more and more you know we heard the Fumke Johnson rumors uh, which weren't Mm. necessarily confirmed but this confirms that the two universes are going to be melding in a very real way Um, Bob what do you think of this well what I've heard now is Mark Miller was quoted the other day saying this is going to have time travel and giant robots and it's anything you can want all mushed together in one movie it sounds as if they are going to go for the the Claremont Burns storyline at some level Mm -hmm. And then smash these teams all back together into something new moving forward. Right. Can't be better. Because we're coming off, you know, X-Men First Class was great. Three, obviously, you know, we realized what happened. We We don't know what happened over there. Right. (laughs) Uh, So let's move forward from a a good point. Yeah. And putting those two august characters in Mm -hmm. play again. Great news. Great news. I mean, you know, and McAvoy and Fassbender are still in it. So they are meshing those two things. Um, we haven't heard anything about Jackman yet, uh, but I'm sure that announcement is going to come through at some point. Um, you know, I think they're still trying to focus on the the Wolverine marketing and stuff before they kind of move into the other thing. But I mean, the same token, they talked about the Wolverine and they said this movie takes place after all of the X Men movies that have happened already. Mm-hmm. It's not a prequel, you know. It's not an origins movie, so you know it, it's not going to be. You don't have to watch this movie to see what has you know for clues. Or whatever this is happening after. It's a totally separate movie. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, what do you think about this, Steve? I think it sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even hear about that until I arrived here tonight. And that has me really excited, actually. I think that's a really smart move. Uh, it's cool to see, you know, both, I guess, both generations, uh, if you will, of those characters coming together in the same movie. Yeah. Um, provided they have good writers yeah. and they they handle it the right way, mm-hmm. uh, that could be a really good marriage of the two different times that they tried to you know that they brought the X Men to the big screen. Yeah, and uh, sounds like a a smart move. I think I'm I'm not as surprised because Marvel seems to have been making good decisions mm-hmm. in its movie making. Um, if it were DC and they came <laughs> up with something this clever, I would have been like, what? <laughs> But uh, no, it's cool. I um, I'm interested to see how it's going to work out. I'm all for it. Um, Mara, what about you? So we've all talked about the X Men movies and what we thought of all of them. Uh, tell us what you think of the X Men movies that exist, and then well, what you're gonna. What are you excited about this next one? Uh, I grew up in a kind of an X Men household where Wolverine was my mom, one of my mom's favorite comic book characters. <laughs> Wolverine was your yeah. mom. That's what I yeah. <laughs> What? I thought you said Wolverine was my mom. I was like, wow. Oh, no. <laughs> you could have missed the no, bus, bub. If only. <laughs> um, but there, when the movies came out, it's always, you know, real excitement. When they come out on DVD, it's less than seller. 
uh, <laughs> so definitely um, when I got into reading comics pretty heavily and understanding storylines and the X3 came out, I just, it just got upset about it. <laughs> there, it was, it was really depressing and Wolverine, a movie. Um, I love Hugh Jackman. I think he's fine. Um, I like to look at him. <laughs> I knew that's I'm what okay you meant. <laughs> but the, the movie itself wasn't entirely what I wanted. Um, it was terrible. Yeah, the origins yeah. movie, you mean? Yes. Yeah, not yes. Good, not good movie. But, I mean, I did see it multiple times in the theater because there were several shirtless scenes. <laughs> but I was there for the story. You, you right. catch my drift there? <laughs> yeah, I catch your drift. <laughs> uh, but with Days of Future Past, um, I'm a little bit wary about it because, I, one, I hate time travel in stories. I don't know why. I love Doctor Who, but I, I can't stand it when my, my comic books and time travel mix up with each other. I, I, hmm. Oftentimes, it's, it's usually like trying to find a new storyline or, or something. It just, it, it seems forced to me half the time. Um, but Days of Future Past, I mean, that's a pretty well-established X-Men yeah. storyline. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not as nervous about that. But I am excited about Michael Fassburn and James McAvoy because the fanfic that comes out of those two being in a movie is going to be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was with uh, X-Men First Class and with... <laughs> in this next movie hopefully we'll get some Patrick Stewart action in it too whoa <laughs> well have you seen his uh, have you ever seen extras you've seen extras right yes yeah Patrick Stewart no. is really dirty in extras <laughs> oh yeah it's really funny maybe he'll get shirtless for you maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see she's excited she loses yeah <laughs> I've got the vapors <laughs> But no, and, and, all, and I mean, I can't, I, I'm going to see this movie several times in, in theaters. Um, my, my approach with most of these comic book movies is uh, avoid as much press about it as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when, I, when I got the email from, from you earlier about talking about Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, that's the first I've heard of it. And that's usually because when I go see one of these comic book movies, I like to not know anything going into it. Otherwise, I just sit there in my own little, like, you know, pouty fangirl mood and just bash it before I even see it. Aww. Well, I'm sorry I ruined that for you then. Right. It's okay because, you know, the cast is obviously going to be announced at some point, but um, beyond that, I don't want to see like set photos. And I, I don't want to see like, you know, special interviews or anything. I want to go into it like a blank slate. You going to see a trailer? No. Um, I mean, like if it shows up in a movie, I see, but I'm not going to seek it out. Hmm. willpower. I cannot stop myself from watching a trailer i can trailer i have to see yeah i i don't like look at set photos or you know like leaked videos from that people took on their cell phones yeah, no, during the thing. Like i don't want to see any of that but if there's like a shiny trailer up on the online i can't not watch it though we all saw the wolverine bootleg right i didn't see the wolverine really? i uh, love the wolverine bootleg <laughs> it was hysterical it is a oh my god the wire work in that yep. movie superb and it was only slightly better than that Wonder Woman pilot I showed you. Oh, man. <laughs> I wish that we could make copies of that and mail it out to all of our listeners. So that we could, I don't have that. Yeah. Warners could be listening. We could all... We could I'm do interested a, in this. Uh, <laughs> I never saw the Wonder Woman pilot. Oh, it is. It would piss you off. Really? It would piss you right off. Yeah. <sighs> well, never mind. I don't even want it. I don't want it. It's, oh, good, it's, for, it's good for fun. Oh well, we, we, yeah, we had a great, we had a great time. time watching it. <laughs> um, yeah, that was uh, that was Hurricane, right? 
Or that was no, before the hurricane. That was, that was uh, I collect night. I think. Oh right, right. That I, that I have yet to bring back because of <laughs> of the hurricane, and I'm making excuses now. It will come back. I've. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna get back on the ball. You heard it here, folks. Yeah. All right. What I love most about this Fox thing, we'll we'll get off that in a second, is that they're already now going to start linking things together. You know, Mark Millar has already said, we want to do what Disney and Paramount were doing. We want to try that on our end. There should be a way to have Fantastic Four and X-Men characters coexist in a shared universe. So let's go for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That that, that, Uh, should be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got a, a good guy to to kind of put that together. You know, he's got enough personality where I think he's not going to let himself get walked over. You know, even though he's a comic book guy, he's, you know, very outspoken, very tuned to the movie kind of world as far as yes. all that stuff goes. Um, so, you know, melding of, going from a melding of one franchise to melding of another franchise, mm-hmm. um, big reports this week, uh, or this week, really today, um, about Joseph Gordon-Levitt possibly playing Batman in uh, the new Justice League coming out and uh, possibly making a cameo in Man of Steel, uh, which is coming out, uh, obviously, uh, in the summer. Um, you know, this is hit fix. Uh, Drew McQueenie, who is not uh, a guy who writes things speciously, that, you know, that he's been doing it for a very long time. Um, really, since I started about reading about movie news on the internet, Drew McQueenie has been writing stuff. He was Moriarty on Ain't a Cool News uh, for a very, very long time until he started this website, HitFix. Um, and according to his sources, Joseph Gordon-Levitt absolutely will be appearing in Justice League as the new Batman. And they're planning something with him and another character from the Nolan movies, another actor from the Nolan movies. Um, now, this is an interesting thing, right? Because it's it, what, what you would uh, suppose... Now, I will say this. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's representatives have said this is not happening. But again, they would not say it was happening because they're not going to report on something before contracts are signed and you know mm-hmm. a trade makes an announcement. That's the usual stance people take before these things happen. Um, now, this is a very interesting take because if there if this is Gordon Levitt's character from the Nolan universe, he's not coming into just like being Bruce Wayne. Um, yeah, and so this is going to be. And it's going to then mean that the Nolan movies existed in the same universe as this Man of Steel movie is going to exist, which then means it'll, it will exist in the, whatever movies, you know, the Green Lantern movie that comes out or wh- whatever, whatever, whatever. So um, all of a sudden a very unmagical Nolan universe becomes a comic book universe, um, kind of de facto, not anything to do with Nolan, just like, you know, he doesn't own the property so they can do whatever the mm-hmm. hell they want with it. Um, but let me ask you, first of all, you know, what do you think about doing this, this, about what bringing in a character that's created by Christopher Nolan, Jonathan Nolan, whoever, um, that's one part of it. But then what if Gordon Levitt was playing Bruce Wayne? What would you think of that? I think that would be much better. He's a fine actor mm-hmm. and it would be interesting, but you're into this whole confusion area that we went over with when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. It's it's is he Robin? Is he not? Now he's Batman, but he's not Bruce Wayne. And to the ninety five percent of the world who think Bruce Wayne is Batman, when he shows up and calls himself James Robin Blake, mm-hmm. what? Who? What happened to Bruce Wayne? Is all you're going to hear from reviewers mm-hmm. and fans, casual fans? Great idea in terms of the actor. Lousy idea in terms of the character. And didn't they learn anything from what Marvel did, yeah, which was use the characters from the books? 
if you're gonna have somebody make him Dick Grayson at least, it's someone yeah. heard of before. Yeah, random well, nobody. Why don't you just call him Joe Blow, <laughs> Frank Smith, anything else you want to call him? Why just bring him in as right? No, absolutely. Uh, Mara, what do you think about this? I, I it just seems too forced to me. It, mm-hmm. it seems like they're they're looking at the success of the Avengers and trying to fit what they already have into something that could be that that magnitude Mm -hmm. personally i'd be okay if there was never a justice league movie i mean that's that's not a void that needs to be filled for me um i'm fine with the batman trilogy ending where it is right now nothing continue i like that ambiguity at the end of who this person is and what his role is after the series um i just i don't i don't think dc and warner studios is in a position where they can successfully make something like that at this point in their movies. And as far as Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I mean, he's 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 okay. I just I don't I don't want to I don't think I can picture him as Batman or a crime fighter. I don't I don't want to see him punch anyone. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve, what do you think? I think it's silly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it, it, like everything that Bob said. It would be weird. To, mm-hmm. to take this character that was established in the final film of, of Nolan's mm-hmm. uh, in his universe of what we were told was supposed to be a, a three-part by itself. This is mm-hmm. Nolan's Batman, Nolan's story. It stops here. It ends here. And then he let, he left the movie the way that he – or he left the series really kind of the way he leaves all of his stuff where it's mm-hmm. kind of up to the audience what happened. Yeah. And – it worked and mm-hmm. it was good and then, you know and and then to to have DC come along and be like hey guess what and not and this nothing's been confirmed but to take that character or to take that actor and put him in that role and then I mean he has to be Bruce Wayne you can't have someone else be Batman in the Justice League it mm-hmm. has to be Bruce Wayne it has You're to be right. mm-hmm. people people would flip out mm-hmm flip out it would be legitimate too yeah it wouldn't mm-hmm. like you know sometimes i'm like oh you guys need to come i would not i would tell them scream the top of your lungs mm-hmm. um i think it's a mistake to make a justice league movie to begin with um i don't think that they're ready for it i really don't i don't care if superman has a nod to uh or man of steel has a nod to them making a justice league movie it's too big and it's too soon mm-hmm. um there's there has not they should have learned from Marvel and not necessarily saying that they have to copycat them, but it would have been nice if we took these characters and gave them their own introductory films. It's just a it's a smart way to go. Um I think they can do it. I think they're gonna do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um and I hope I hope that it measures up to, you know, what people would hope that it would be, but as far as Joseph Gordon Levitt, I mean I like him as an actor. I don't I'm not in love with him. I think it'd be weird to see him bulked up. He's always been kind of like a medium frame guy. I mean, he doesn't have to bulk up. I mean, Michael Keaton, Keaton didn't right. bulk up. It's the suit Batman. now. Yeah. Yeah. But Michael Keaton back then could get away with something like that. That was a different, like different time, yeah, I guess. But, um, I don't know. It would be, it would be strange. Mm-hmm. I think I, I could see him as a Bruce Wayne. I don't think I could see him as a Batman. I, I think it's a misstep, and I think it's the same reason that you know Bob mentioned. You guys all mentioned it is that what Warner, it feels like Warner's is trying to do is they're going okay. Look, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies made so much money. People love those movies. How can we connect this universe that we're doing to those movies and not have to start from scratch with Batman? 
you know, you know, all the way out. If we if we said this is the character from this this movie, maybe it's easier for people to accept because some people saw that movie, and we don't have to say this is Bruce Wayne. But why isn't he Christian Bale? Because there's you know, it's a weird handoff here because they haven't left themselves enough time to make a Batman movie in between when this is ending and Justice League is going to start, mm-hmm. and to prevent Justice League from being a Batman movie, they ha- they're they're going to do this. I, I think it's a terrible idea, and listen, I, I think it's. I think it's a bad idea to have somebody not who's not Bruce Wayne be Batman. Mm-hmm. It's even a worse idea for them in this time when when the movie universe has become very accepting of, of comic book origins and look what Marvel's done. They've made it so we don't care how crazy your origin is, we'll put you in a movie, you know, Thor, you know, whatever. So <laughs> for them to go, okay, we're gonna take a character we created who has some different origin and put him in there. If it was Dick Grayson like you were saying, it would be a little bit easier to stomach, you know? Because at least people go, oh, this is the guy who was Robin, and they could put some backstory in there or something. But this is like a, a creation of a person who left Batman because he wanted it to be over, and trying to extend yeah. his universe doesn't make any sense. Um, it, I think it's a bad move, I, you know? Look, they don't want to wait five years to make a Justice League movie. No. They think the whole cycle could be over by then, so they're going to try to force this in. But what they're forgetting, you could still force the issue. They have the two most iconic characters in comic book history in Superman and Batman. There are slugs in my garden who know the origins of (laughs) Superman and Batman. They don't have to tell them over again and again and again. A pre-credit montage. Yeah. Parents killed, Krypton explodes, superheroes, thanks, let's go, move on. Introduce Flash, Green Lantern, whoever else you're going to do, let's get on with it, and you could make it that way in the course of a year or two. Or tell a world's finest movie, Superman and Batman. Mm. Go from there. But this is all, how long is this movie going to be? Three and a half hours? Is Peter Jackson going to end up directing the Justice League? (laughs) Yeah, see, that's my thing with it. There's not... Like the the reason that Avengers worked was because everybody was given a, a whole a whole film mm-hmm. to become comfortable, mm-hmm. and everybody got to have a moment. Mm-hmm. You can't establish character, and and there's just not enough time. There's not enough time to to establish Wonder Woman and tell her story, and then have something happen to her within the film that you're gonna care as much as you would unless you were comfortable with her first. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I agree with you, and I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second. I will say this: when we saw the Avengers, my mom, I saw it with my mom, had not seen Captain America. My mom hadn't seen any of them, right? And and she loved Captain America in that movie. She it, that it was our favorite character in the movie. So I think if the movie is written well, mm-hmm. you you can do that. But, Bob, you've mentioned this several times. The problem with that is that in the Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, these, none of these people overpower the other because they're not yes. super well-known characters to begin with. Superman and Batman are going to completely eclipse every other character in a Justice League movie. Um, and I, think, I don't think it helps to have someone who's not Bruce Wayne playing that part. Um, you know, you mentioned, again, you said something about the nod in Man of Steel, and that's something Zack Snyder started to allude to Yeah. Um, in, in this past week. After having said no for to. two years. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's like, listen, the Man of Steel exists. He's like, I think it would be silly if that wasn't, you know, given some creed to in the Justice League movie. So um, it looks like Henry Cavill will be reprising his role in Justice League. I mean, that movie is set for 2015. They've set that date. Same year as the Avengers 2 mm-hmm. is coming out. Um you know they're gonna have to do something in Man of Steel to set up that that movie because then they're gonna have three years or two years where there's nothing. 
So they're going to have to figure out something to do to lead into that. Um, I I just don't think I love Gordon Levitt. I just don't think it's the right move as far as as far as character choice for the situation. You know, I, I just think that. You know, the thing is, like, I would. The funny thing is, I would love to see like, you know, Gary Oldman keep playing Jim Gordon for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, I also think that what these comic movies are gonna have to start doing pretty soon, if they keep being popular, is they're gonna have to take a page from the James Bond movie making school and be like, okay, you're gonna switch actors at some point. You just gotta go with it. You can't worry about saying mm-hmm. who this guy is every single time. He's James Bond. He's a secret agent. This is what he does. You know. So Batman's going to change actors. I mean, they did it in those other Batman movies, for God's sakes. Yeah. yeah. When they change actors every two years, you know. Problem was they changed directors. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that, but that I'm just saying, you know, it's like they weren't like, oh, Val Kilmer's Batman. Nobody's going to understand that he's Batman anymore, you know. So the funny thing is, early on in the Justice League and further back in the Justice Society, they realized that Superman-Batman problem you're describing, mm-hmm. and they they were honorary members of the Justice Society, and earlier on in the Justice League, you didn't see them much. It was about flash and green lantern and wonder woman and aquaman and they'd show up on the big cases mm-hmm. so the in the comics that kind of works but on the screen since they've never established those other characters yeah again maybe you should have they should have paired off the science characters you could have had martian manhunter or hawkman mm-hmm. you know the outer space sciencey detective guys or mm-hmm. flash and green lantern and there should have been a Wonder Woman movie ten years ago. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't want to see agree. a Justice League movie before I can see a Wonder Woman movie, or yeah. even a TV show that's decent. Yeah. Besides the seventies, which was fantastic in its own right. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, but now they're going to go uh, Amazon. Tram. Yeah. Well, no, and the new one they're doing, which is Wonder Smallville. Yeah, they're doing like they're doing a new show. They're a oh, really? Show, but it's and it's, yeah. it's you know her when she's in the Amazon or whatever. It's not her when she's oh, that's Wonder cool. Woman. So it could be cool. Yeah, it could be good. Yeah. Um, I'm down for that much more than Arrow. That show is <laughs> terrible. How, how did that get on? Oh, it's so bad. It's so terribly bad. I, uh, I haven't seen any of it. I've just seen the poster of him shirtless with scars. And, I mean, Photoshop just from the poster, scars. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I don't need to watch it. It's awful. <laughs> Just watch the poster. Yeah. Um, well, Mara, what did you think? Well, first of all, what do you think of the Avengers? We, you know, we've been talking about oh how much we loved it, but what did you think of it? I love the Avengers. I I hardly ever watch um, movies uh, when they come out on DVD, but that one I've I've watched a few times and thoroughly enjoyed it. Loved Black Widow, mm-hmm. and I love um, how much attention that character got from the movie was a little bit upset by some of the merchandise that came out where she was in the boobs and butt pose constantly or like on the bottom of the lunchbox instead of on the front. But that's a whole other <laughs> issue for another time. But I, I thought what Marvel did was incredible. And I, I don't think I don't think any other superhero movie franchise could match that kind of um, that kind of movie making. Mm-hmm. And it was just it, it was planning, it was thought out well in advance. It was great storytelling. It, it was staying true to the characters while also telling a, a new story. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, like I said, like DC and Warner Brothers, seeing that kind of success and trying to mimic it, I mean, that's what it seems like to me. Like, yeah. as soon yeah, as I absolutely. heard Justice League movie, I said, yeah, that, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down with that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, and the thing for Warner Brothers is that they live off their franchises. I mean, the last, the last 10 years of their existence has been, you know, it's been Harry Potter, mm-hmm. Batman, and and Lord of the Rings now I mean the Hobbit is coming back yep. and they're doing three Hobbit movies you know but they need 
something. They need this next thing to kind of carry them through because there's no more Harry Potter to be done, and that's a billion dollars every year. And no more Twilight. Yeah, but that's yeah. Not, yeah, that's not War yeah. Brothers. But they're thinking. I know, but it's just so good that it's gone. <laughs> they're talking about doing another one. No. No. Yeah, they are a prequel. That's who. Renesme, the Revenge. <laughs> Stupidest mm. name for in character history. Sorry. <laughs> what is so it again? Renesme. Yeah. Is it spelled something backwards? It's or no, it's a combination of I can't believe I know this shit. I know it's it's, it's a okay. combination of one of two different names yeah. put together. Oh. And it's uh, Though it sounds like something Sorry, go ahead. What'd you say, Mara? Said Renee and Esmeralda? Maybe. Uh, no, Renee and Esme. Oh no, right, there you go. Yeah. And it, it it sounds like something you'd make up when you're like six. When you're drunk, <laughs> when you're is what it sounds like. Or you're color resume. You like that? Huh? <laughs> and then a grown man falls in love with a baby. So that's what the house happens in the I've been watching oh. you sleep. Yeah. It's not creepy at all. <laughs> Those movies are really bad. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's part of it, too. They need to get that stuff underway. And, I mean, that's what they live and die by. Um you know, by the way, Justice League comes out in 2015, which is three years from now. A movie they need to be in pre-production on, a movie they need to start rolling on. They don't have a director yet, so um, I mean, this is that's not unheard of. I mean, it's still three years, and there's a lot of Mac- there's a whole system at Warner Brothers to get these movies started before they have a director. But um, those announcements are going to start falling soon, and I, I, you know, part of this Jorson Gordon-Levitt thing might just be they're putting it out there to see the reaction it gets. I mean, I remember, God, it's got to be close to 10 years ago when they announced that they were going to do a Green Lantern movie that was a comedy starring Jack Black. I remember that. Uh, <laughs> you don't remember this? No. Yes. They announced yeah. it, and, and it was like a torrent of hate. And like, I don't we remember just, this at all. They were yeah. like, we were just kidding. <laughs> we didn't mean it. Yeah, we were just kidding. They absolutely meant it. I mean, it was they almost started production on it, you know? And they had to, they had to stop it because... Jack she, Black is the Green Lantern? Yeah. 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 I almost want You're to see right. that. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's so silly. And people are like, whoa, it's not silly. We're not a Green Lantern. You know, that's the internet uh, rebel. He's going to will a, a guitar yeah. and start <laughs> rocking out. Yeah. <laughs> Giant amplifiers. <laughs> I can blow them away with a solo. Yeah. Face melter. <laughs> um, and actually, also, not only did we, this was a news question, we got asked this question by Angry Oz Geek. On, uh, oh, I talked to him today. Yeah, uh, on Twitter about the Joseph Gordon-Levitt thing. So I hope we answered uh, your question about that, good sir. Um, you have any other questions? We do have a couple of email questions, actually. Yeah. Um, and we have a, you actually have an email I question as well. Too. So why don't you read yours first? Okay, Bob. it's from Luciano Moray. Hopefully, I said <laughs> this correctly. He's our northernmost listener from Yellowknife in the Northern Territory. That's an awesome uh, <laughs> name for a town. <laughs> Yellowknife? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, it's for you guys because I couldn't answer his question. Uh, what do we know about the Young Avengers upcoming? Because he's uh, gotten his young daughter, Liliana, into reading comics with him. Is that going to be all age appropriate, do you think? Or I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I don't think it's going to be as... I don't think it's, there's going to be a lot of sex or darkness in it. But it's uh, if it's anything like uh, Journey into Mystery, yeah. it's going to be a little... Clever? It's going to be way clever. And it's also going to be deep and you know the plot's going to be very intricate and it's going to get there's gonna be some darkness to it i mean there's gonna be some death in it there's probably gonna be you know some deep emotional stuff in it so some tit for tat snarkiness yeah so i don't know i I don't necessarily there'll be anything inappropriate for children in it but i don't know if a a younger reader is gonna get everything in it okay now she's really his daughter's really oh i'm sorry mara go ahead i'm sorry I was about to say, if, if we're looking at 
all ages of appropriate comic books and he wants something to read for his with his daughter i mean i would recommend takio by brian yeah takio is great okay yeah, I mean, absolutely. that's a great, it says it's all ages mm-hmm. and I've read a couple issues of it and it really is. I mean, I enjoy it. There's nothing horrible about it. It's got two lead female superhero characters that are one's in third grade. and I think one's in sixth. Yep. And I mean, fantastic. Um, I don't know how old uh, his daughter is, but Superman Family Adventures mm-hmm. uh, is a young reader's book, all ages, uh, and is probably the best Superman book that's on the shelves today. So <laughs> that's always something to check out. I had recommended Spider-Girl to him, the, oh, yeah. the old one, mm-hmm. especially it's in child-friendly digest sizes. Uh, she's really into Thor. What about Journey into Mystery? Again, um, very, yeah. very, very heavy. Um, I... Would, I, I well I, I wish we knew how old she was. Two. But that's she's two. She's two. She's two. No. <laughs> okay. No. 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 Okay. no. Um, no. A babies versus X babies. Oh yeah. Yes. If you can find okay. a copy of that, yeah, that would be fantastic. Um, and I mean they they do publish. I don't know how good they are, obviously, but they do publish books based on uh, Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, oh, and the, Young Justice. So you know those um, books might be something to check the out. Franklin Richards books. Oh those, yeah. Those yeah. Those are, those are hysterical. Uh, Mary, you going to say something? I, I, was like, I did a reading intervention in um, an elementary school once using Marvel Superhero Squad. Uh, it's a, it was a one-shot. Mm-hmm. And those those were fantastic. Lots of jokes that kids would get about farts and butts and um, <laughs> like weird body things, as well as like hilarious villains. And I don't know if Superhero Squad has an ongoing or some sort of collection, but that I mean, that was a great kid-friendly book that they were able to read on their own. That's awesome. great. Thank That's you, Mara. Um, mm. All right, so um, let's go. Let's go to this one. This one. This one's called Hulking Out. Oh, and it says, "Hi there. First of all, I just want to say a huge hello from south of the equator, Western Australia, to you guys. Hey, um, I'm a religious follower of your podcast, and your weekly comic banter makes my 50 minute drive to work bearable. Somebody likes the banter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have just read Mark Wade's Indestructible Hulk number one, and I absolutely dug it so much." So that all my childhood memories of the Hulk came flooding back to me. When I was like five years old, I had a copy of the 60s cartoon on VHS, and I played over and over again. Also, one time around this age, my mom took me to the supermarket, and there was a huge muscle-bound dude going about his business. And apparently I saw him and freaked out, yelling at the top of my lungs that there was the Hulk, and everybody should watch out. (laughs) Anywho, my question is, what other Hulk runs can you recommend to a guy? Can you guys recommend that I check out which are of similar ilk to Wade's Indestructible? I hear that Peter David's time on the Hulk was great, but are there any specific arcs which stand out, or is the whole thing good? Um, so you want to start with that one? Uh, look, though it's 12 years mm-hmm. of Peter David on the Hulk, and it goes all over the place. He's very different characters at, at various times. The craziest one is when the Hulk is a bouncer at a Las Vegas casino, and he's <laughs> Mr. Fix-It. And it's, a, it's the gray Hulk who you first saw in Hulk number one. So he's sort of intelligent, but a little thuggish. But the sight of the Hulk with, with a snap brim fedora and a pinstripe suit with babes on his arms is just <laughs> hysterical. And there's some real dark stuff in there. The stuff he did with the Pantheon I mentioned before, also very good. Uh, certainly you want to see Bill Mantlo's, which he came before. Uh, Peter or Len Wein, where they back where they introduced Wolverine and everything else back mm-hmm. then. So those sort of runs are real fun too. Um, and he mentioned—I mean, you kind of threw them out quickly, but uh, you know, he mentioned he asked if World War Hulk or Planet Hulk are any good. He, you know, hears he hears them banged about all the time when people are talking about Hulk books. 
I went to a panel at Icon many, many years ago. It was Peter David and Greg Pak talking about the coming World War Hulk. So I started buying it, and I got into it pretty quickly and, and the run-up to it. But it just never seemed to end. It just mm -hmm. went on and on and on, and it turned into lots of smashing. And then the, what was the, what was the little fellow's name? Brandon Choi, or whatever, the eighth smartest guy in the Marvel Universe who could fix everything and... It got tiresome real quick. And then they shot him into space for a while, and it came back, and stuff blew yeah. up, and enough. And enough. that's Planet Hulk. I mean, Planet Hulk is... Planet is, Hulk is they, the, All of them decide, kind of, well, the Illuminati decide... Yeah, Bruce um, Banner has to go. Bruce Banner has to go, because we can't deal with this anymore. We can't, we can't be waiting all the time for him to go crazy and just destroy things. He's, he hurts people. So we're going to launch him into space, um, and he ends up on this planet that's enslaved, and he kind of becomes like... Like like the gladiator of that planet. Yeah, yeah. He's Spartacus and comes back yeah. with an army. Yeah, um, it, it's a it's an interesting story. I mean, it definitely, you know, it's it's a different story for, for the Hulk, and I I don't think it's a bad story. And I think if you're, he said he's completely new to Hulk mm -hmm. comics, so um, I haven't read World War Hulk, so I don't know. I don't know. Is that when the Red Hulk is? Yeah, introduced um, and and atom bomb, I guess, where Rick Jones, Rick James, Rick James, Rick Jones, Rick James, Rick, James. <laughs> Rick Jones goes blue. Right, uh, he's a pancake. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know where that came from. Um, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> yeah, uh, it again. It, you were just three years or so into it. Yeah, and it just can we move on finally? Mm -hmm. But it was well done. Just too much of it. Uh, and he's asking, uh, this might be too much for right now. Uh, well, first of all, Mara, you, you don't really read any Hulk stuff, so you don't. Do you have any uh, books to recommend? Um, the latest issue of Avengers Assemble. That's oh, exactly that. what I was going to say. You stole my book. Sorry, but that was the only time I've read Hulk in a comic that I liked, except for that one part in AVX where Hulk's like, "Hulk will smash for you." Yeah, I, I, I like him more as a like a background character. I, I've I've never been interested in reading the Hulk as a main character but like his dynamic in Avengers symbol issue 9 was fantastic he makes, makes a hell of a sandwich I was just gonna say that you <laughs> stole my line get your ah. own jokes <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, you know he says uh, also if you have time can you give me a quick potted history of the character up until this point is he part of uh -oh. other teams like the Avengers right now in Indestructible it seems like he's been AOL for a while what is the deal with that thank you so much for taking time to read my email hulking regards Saul um, I mean, the, the, the quick history is you, you pretty much know the quick history of the character. It's just when you get into the, the various, you know, variations. If you want to know what, like, recently why he's been gone, it's because him and Banner were separated from each other, and Banner was kind of evil, um, because he went crazy without the Hulk as part of his body. Um, they end up back together, and that's what happens at the end of Jason Aaron's run. Um, I didn't read the end of that run, so I don't know how that whole situation resolves. But they seem to be at odds when I was reading that run. Um, he is he pops in and out as far as teams go. I don't think he's a regular member of the Avengers. Started he's in Avengers one, leaves at the ends of, of Avengers two. No, I mean like right now. Right now, yeah, he pops um, in and out. I think right now he he will be in assemble. Looks okay, like he's yeah, in assemble. Mm -hmm. He is yeah. And if this team as the end of the regular Avengers issue, if they're going to go bigger. Mm -hmm. You may see him, yeah, and a lot more mm -hmm. since he's in the movie universe. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, indestructible. Obviously, they're setting him up as almost like an agent of Shield at this point. So, I think you'll see more of him. Um, Steve, do you have anything you want to talk about the Hulk? Uh, no, indestructible is really um, the only solo that I've read of his, except for a little bit of the Jason Aaron stuff, which was it was fun. It mm -hmm. was it had its moments, but it, it just didn't pull me in. 
Um, I really think that if you're gonna if you're gonna get into something, that getting into uh, indestructible is the way to go. Um, I just have a feeling about that one. I think it's gonna be really, really good. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I mean, I think that is, you know, if one of, if not the best, maybe next to Deadpool, uh, the best intro to a character that's been around, you know, for a while that you can just pick up and kind of get a whole new take on very, very quickly. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, that's it uh, for our questions. I believe I don't see any other ones. Um, uh, Repstones wants me from now on to at the end of my reviews write where I re- write where I write them because I uh. talked about writing one on the toilet last week. Like having <laughs> <laughs> on the toilet. <laughs> so he wants to know where I write my reviews, but I don't think I'm going to do that because that's private. <laughs> and you don't want to know. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, so. Uh, we're going to talk about the list of books that came out this week. I thought we had another question, but then we did not. So my brain is in the Are we done? Place. I think it's it for our questions. Holy crap. Holy crap? Yeah, I mean, it's a short one. We're only at a, like an hour and 45 minutes. Wow. <laughs> it went by fast tonight. It did. It did. Well, we had very good company. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's talk about the books that are coming out. There are uh, so many. This week. Um Let's start with Boom Studios, uh, Adventure Time, number 10. Yay! Uh, Clive Barker's Hellraiser, The Road Below, number 2 of 4, and Peanuts, volume 2, <laughs> number 4. Um, from Dark Horse, we have Angel and Faith, number 16. BPRD, Hell on Earth, number 101. Um, we have Ghost, number 2. Yay! We have, <laughs> we have RIPD, City of the Damned, number 1 of 4, uh, which is different from BPRD. This is R.I.P.D. Ah. Uh, um, we also have Star Wars, Dawn of the Jedi, The Prisoner of Bogon, number one of five. <laughs> it's inflation. The, the more words in this title every time. Yeah. I think Mara's going to review that for us, too. <laughs> My first Star Wars comic, too. Yeah. I'm interested Very. in the Brian Wood Star Wars when that starts. I've, I've already subscribed for it. I'm, I'm pumped. Nice. <laughs> the one that's just called Star Wars? Yeah. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like all right, so from DC, we have All-Star Western, number 14, uh, American Vampire, number 33, Hooray. Uh, Aquaman, number 14, Yay. Um, Arrow, number one, uh, <laughs> Batman Beyond Unlimited, number 10, Batman Incorporated, number five, Yay. Uh, Batman the Dark Knight, number 14, Yay. Um, Before Watchmen, Osmandias, number four, um, Before Watchmen, Silk Spectre, number four. Oh, I didn't know they were still making those. Yeah. I yep. was about to say, I thought they finished. <laughs> Uh, Flash, number 14. Uh, Flight of Angels, trade paperback. Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Men, number 14. I, Vampire, number 14. Uh, Joe Cuber presents, number 2 of 6. Justice League Dark, number 14. Lot 13, number 2. Phantom Lady, number 4 of 4. Lost track. Um, Red Lanterns, number 14. Yes. Savage Hawkman, number 14. Superman, number 14. Talon, number 2. Teen Titans, number 14. There you go. Uh, DC, DC cranking them out. Yep. Uh, Dynamite. We have Green Hornet number thirty-one. We have Marcus Nispel's Chosen number two of three. We have Masks number one Yay. of eight. Sweet. Uh, Prophecy number five of seven. Thunder number four. Thunder and uh, Warlord. Panther. Yep. And Warlord of Mars number twenty-two. Um, from IDW, we have Cobra number nineteen. Crow number five. Uh, Ghostbusters number fifteen. Godzilla number seven. Uh, we have the Infestation Squared complete series hardcover. <laughs> wow. um, That's that Ninja Turtles Transformers 
Doctor Who, Doctor Who thing, Star Trek, yeah, all those <laughs> things. Um, we have My Little Pony. Friendship is magic. Yes, number one. I'm all over it. <laughs> Are you serious? Really? I she you know it. something. I read some early reviews, and apparently it's really good. <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I'm not a brony. You're not a brony? I, no, no. What? what, what, no. what? Oh, Bob. Bob doesn't know about the bronies. Let's, let's let Bob. I'll fill you in later. Okay. Marge, you know what a brony is? <laughs> yes. I know what a jabroni is, but that's something <laughs> no, else altogether. Yeah. Okay. It's bros who like my little pony. Yeah. Because oh. yeah. there's, you know, there's there's dude ponies now. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the voice stumped. of the main My Little Pony, I don't know who it is because I don't watch that show, is the, was the voice of Batgirl. Tara Strong is the voice of yeah. Batgirl on the Batman the Animated Series. Yes. Also the voice of Timmy Turner from um, Fairly Odd Parent. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. And she did Hello Kitty. She was the first American voice of Hello Kitty. Ah. There you go. Boom. <laughs> I well, the, that, art, the art knowledge. is very cool. Um, oh, yeah? yeah, I was looking at I was looking at some of the art. The art is very neat, and I the thing that the review was was saying it's like we know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Give it a chance. Right. It's actually pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. So I'm I my curiosity is going to win out. Plus, number one of My Little Pony will probably be worth a little bit of scratch. <laughs> So if I end up, you know, pawning it off on mm. eBay to some squealing child, then so be it. Do they have variant covers too? I don't know. They um, should. Yes, they do. <laughs> they have Pinkie Pie variant. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, Go. seven, eight, eight covers. One for each pony. Go for it, Steve. Yeah. And but they, and they actually selling a complete box set of all the covers. Holy for twenty four ninety nine, crap! Yeah. I am so going brony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, once you've gone brony, once you've gone brony, you never go back. <laughs> uh, then we have teenage Ninja, teenage Ninja Turtles number sixteen. Um, we have Transformers Prime: Rage of the Dinobots number one. Um, True Blood number seven. Ugh. Uh, from Image, we have sixty eight scars number three. Um, hmm. We have Bedlam number two. Yay! We have Chew number thirty. Oh, we have Fatal number ten. We Sweet. have MacGyver Fugitive Gauntlet. MacGyver number two of five. Morning Glory is number twenty-three. Yes. Uh, multiple Warheads from Alphabet to Infinity number two of four. Number one was awesome. Uh, Nowhere Men number one. Planetoid number four. Whoa. Prophet number thirty-one. Starbright and the Looking Glass hardcover. Oh, well, there you go. Oh Go with your God. little ponies. Some Luna That's Brothers. Luna, the Luna Brothers. Yeah. Oh, I oh, thought Luna it was Brother. Starbright, the yeah. old cartoon. Luna Bro. Oh, Luna Bro. <laughs> I hope to God that that comes in today. I will freak out. Um, and Witch Doctor Mall Practice number one. It's funny. From Marvel Comics, we have A plus X, number two. <laughs> All new X-Men, number two. One more, I'll try. Astonishing X-Men Annual, number one. Yay. Uh, Captain America and Black Widow, number 639. Um, FF, <laughs> number one. Yes. yes. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Super excited about that. Uh, Gambit, number six. Well, are we excited <laughs> about that one? I don't know. No. no. I know one person that is, though. Yeah, no. Oh, hot. Sorry, Patrick. <laughs> uh, New Avengers number 34, which is the final issue. Uh, Secret Avengers number 34. Thor, God of Thunder number two. Sweet. Ultimate Comics Iron Man number two of four. Yeah. Ultimate Comics X-Men number 19. Uncanny yeah. Avengers number two. Is it? 
what? Um, it's, it's on yeah. here? Oh, okay. Delayed again, I think. Oh, really? I think. Okay. Um, uh, what do we got? Venom 27.1. Um, Wolverine Max number two. Uh, X-Men Legacy number two. And Extreme X-Men number seven. Um, there's also an X-Factor volume 17 trade paperback. So ah. for those looking to catch up, maybe get on there. Just 17 of them. Yeah, just 17 of them. Um, let's see what we got here. And then uh, from Xenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales presents Robin Hood number three and Grim Fairy Tales presents Sleepy Hollow number two. Robin Hood's actually been pretty cool. I don't know about Sleepy Hollow, but I've been enjoying Robin Hood. Robin with a Y. With a Y <laughs> for attitude. <laughs> it's like, it's like, no, and like you see the Zs in the early 2000s, you know? Put a Z on something, it means it's yeah. badass. Uh, Everything was Mountain Dew. Everything was so extreme. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so that is it uh, for this week's uh, Talking Comics podcast. If you guys want to get in touch with us, it's uh, info at talkingcomicbooks.com, um, at Talking Comics on Twitter, or Facebook docs. docs. Dot com slash talking comics. Um, the website is obviously talkingcomicbooks.com where you can see reviews from me, Steve, Bob, Mara, uh, Joey, David, whose computer is broken right now, but he shall be back uh, very soon. Um, and Travis, who's been putting up a lot of news. Um, go check that out. Comment. Uh, let us know uh, what you think of that. Um, if there's anything you guys want us to cover or talk about in the show, please don't hesitate to uh, write us. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Uh, Steve. Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Bob. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. And uh, Mara, why don't you share your, Mara, sorry, why don't you share your information? Um, Marvelous Mara W on Twitter. All right. So, Mara, how was your first experience with uh, Talking Comics? I loved it. You guys are very lively. <laughs> we <laughs> are you. very lively. Mm-hmm. We have to make up for our other deficiencies just being really lively. Yes. <laughs> Loudness overcomes yeah. much. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So um, I hope you join us again, Mara. Uh, yes. Love that, to. All right. Great. So that is it for Talking Comics. For Steve. My muffins. Uh, Bob. Avita Zane. And Mara. Uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. All right, so as promised, we are back to talk about uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 698, which um, big stuff happened. Big, big stuff happened. See, this was going to be your book of the week. Yeah. So why don't we talk about, uh, why don't you tell us what the big spoiler is? The big spoiler is that uh, it appears as if Peter Parker and Doc Ock have switched bodies, Mm -hmm. and we don't quite know how it happened. No? No. Um, apparently, um, this has been building ever since issue number 600. Oh, wow. All the way back, uh, that there's been, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know how long Dan Slott's had this in the works, but apparently it goes all the way back to 600 and throughout the series, there are things that are, that have given hints to this happening and who he is, what's going on. Because honestly, 
this was it was a really it was strange because it was you started reading the issue and immediately you felt like something was wrong. It didn't feel like uh, Peter Parker, Amazing Spider-Man. It didn't feel like the final arc or the final thing. And and it still doesn't to mm-hmm. me. Like there are huge things happening. But when I picture something ending, something as big as Amazing Spider-Man, it seems like another event such as like Spider Island mm-hmm. would be the end where it's just this like, you know, humongous thing. But instead it's going to be just these couple of issues but with a lot of information and a lot of setting up other things in these issues. So it's kind of the end of one thing and the beginning of another. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though. I mean, I have I have total faith in Dan Slott. Um, I got to talk to him at uh, New York City Comic Con about a couple things. Mm-hmm. And he didn't spoil anything uh, for me, but he was really, really, really excited about it. And he kept saying, he's like, I've been, he's like, this has been in the works for a while. This was before the announcement of Marvel Now. He's like, this has been the plan. So I know that people are going to freak out. And that's why he Mm -hmm. went on that little like Twitter hiatus. Mm -hmm. He was kind of just like watching instead of participating. But then he came out like later that night and he's, you know, like handing out codes here, there and everywhere. I mean, we gave away. Uh, an entire arc of Spider-Man in one shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like this huge celebration. It was mm-hmm. really quite awesome. Um, but as far as what's going on, I mean, we could talk spoilers, right? Yeah. Okay, so... You just gave one, so yeah. go yeah, for well, it. Yeah, well, I mean, P- Peter Parker, he he's walking around. He's got kind of this, like, almost like dickish swagger <laughs> to him. You know, like he, like I said earlier, he was like Jay Moore with brown hair <laughs> and he's got like, you know, he's got uh, marks on his face that he didn't have before. Um, there are a couple, I'm jumping all over the place, mm-hmm. but a lot happened in this one issue. Uh, there's a moment where he's talking to himself in the mirror. Peter Parker's talking to himself and he's kind of like reiterating his current status in, in, uh, in the city and He's like, you know, oh, I got a good job. I've got these, you know, these boyish good looks. And he looks at himself in the mirror and he's got a little like nick above his lip. Like his upper lip uh, has this little spot in it. And he's like, what is that? Oh, yeah, right. I was fighting, you know, the hobgoblin and he he threw one of his, Mm. you know, goblin rangs or whatever the hell it was (laughs) at me and it hit me in the face. Um, first of all, I don't remember that happening Mm -hmm. in, in that, uh, in that arc. And I just thought it was a really weird thing to focus on. They spent like a good page on it. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that like when you're reading it, you just brush it off. It's insignificant. It's just him checking himself out. But I have a feeling that that's going to come back. Um, that maybe whatever transformation has taken place that, um, part of Doc Ock or the current state that he's in is going to slowly come about that possibly Peter Parker could, that version of Peter Parker could eventually become disfigured mm-hmm. in some way. Um, and then you have the little golden Octobot ball running around mm-hmm. that is um, repeating the words of the Doc Ock that's dying inside of the the facility. And I'm wondering if it's possible that Peter Parker the real Peter Parker is trapped inside of the, the Octobot somehow that he was, his 
life or essence was somehow downloaded into that one thing because they keep showing it to you mm-hmm. but not really doing anything with it yet. Um, just about three hours ago online, um, they told you what happens. It was spoiled in the next issue. I haven't checked it out because mm-hmm. honestly, I don't want to know. Right, me either. Um, but it's just, it's crazy. Like mm-hmm. people were freaking out. People were blowing. He was getting hate mail mm-hmm. left and right. I can't believe what you've done. You know, who, who approved this, who said that you could do this <laughs> to our character. And this is not my Peter Parker. And then, you know, you had the other people that were like, this is, this is genius. Mm-hmm. This turns the whole thing on its ass. Nobody saw this coming, but at the end of the issue, as shocking as it is, you really have to ask yourself, like, where is he going with this? Right. Because he said that Spider-Man's about to get a little darker. Mm-hmm. And if this if this Spider-Man, like, let's say this is going to carry over into Superior and this is going to be the new attitude of Spider-Man, that he's going to be kind of like, you know, Tobey Maguire, black suit Spider-Man in the third movie. Not Not that <laughs> bad, you know. But um, I don't know. It's weird. I hope that that's not the Spider-Man that we're going to be getting for a lengthy period of time because I don't like this Spider-Man. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think – you have to trust that what Slot has been doing, you know, for all these issues. I don't think he's going to abandon, you know, his quality, you know, all of a sudden. But what I found – what the questions that this issue raises, I feel, are – Okay, when does this transition happen? When when did it happen? What right. issue did they switch? Well, that's the big question. Places, um, you know, is it has it just happened? You know, was it back during Ends of the Earth? Was it back before that? You, you, you know what I mean? Um, is Ock really trying? Is that really Peter in Ends of the Earth trying to actually save the world? And that's the reason why you know Spidey is so quick to even the you know go at him so hard. Um, because he knows that, you know, it's, it's really, you know, Octavius or whatever. Um, it's a lot of weird questions. I, I, I will say I did not expect it because I avoided the spoiler, you know, at all costs. And when that moment happens at the end of the issue, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And now I feel like a fool for last week being like, oh, nothing big's happening at the end of, uh, at the end of this, uh, amazing Spider-Man run. Uh, <laughs> and then this happens. Uh, Bob, what did you think of no, This is a... I'll, I'll do the end first. This is an old Marvel trope. This has happened a lot, reading Doctor Doom and Doctor Doom and Daredevil. And... Is that me? No, I think it's Mara. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought I was just leaking. I leaned forward a little bit. That's yeah, all I did. It went crazy. It sounded no. like you were like the reporter on the, on the runway. <laughs> I thought that was my brain coming out my ears again. Um, so th- this doesn't strike me as something really too out there, mm-hmm. though it's, it's something that hasn't been seen in a while. I haven't read Spidey except in little doses over the last even 10 years. So I came at this and read it as, okay, this has been postulated as you should be reading this issue. So it's let's me, let me introduce yeah. all the characters. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find him off too much. You know, as He's I'm reading the way off, I think personally. Okay, <laughs> go on. I, I didn't catch it that way. So, and the end then hit me pretty hard. Yeah. But it makes a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Some of the rumors that we've heard about Peter ending up with the Doctor Octopus arms on and whatever, which made no sense at all, mm-hmm. or that it would be a different Spider-Man or whatever. 
Yeah, it's all there to be taken, as you say. How far back this happened? He's been in the Avengers now for years, so yeah. are we part of that? Is it before Secret Invasion? Mm-hmm. Who knows? How far we'll go past this? I can't imagine Dan Slott wanting to write really dark Spider-Man yeah. for years on end. Yeah. yeah, and he said less it's gonna be dark. It's just gonna get weirder. Is really what he said. You know, it's gonna right. get weirder, and it's but it you know much like a movie like The Sixth Sense where you find out something is not is different than you than mm-hmm. you thought originally. You read back to that issue, you, the lines are like you know when he's trying to get to the raft and he says I'm an Avenger, and he goes I still can't get used to saying yeah. that it means something different yeah a lot, once a, you read it the second time yeah, yeah a lot yeah. of his monologue is kind of like reestablishing who he already is and what we've been going through and it's just the way that he that he's talking about himself that he's talking about it for the first time yeah i mean but they did advertise this issue as a jump on issue you yeah. know so i think that that's also part of it but like i mean like i he's He's like he's looking at the girls and he's yeah. like turn out ladies. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like he's all or the the quips aren't coming mm-hmm. as easily. He's like, you know, the first shot that I have at this and I say I am Spider Man. I don't yeah. make a joke mm-hmm. and like little things like that that were kind of tipping you off that yeah. something was up with Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, he just his even his confidence was a little different, mm-hmm. and it was all it was all like a like a. I don't know. To me, it seemed even with the whole jump on point reiteration of things, just the delivery of it was very uh, felt slimy yeah. to me, mm-hmm. which was pretty incredible if yeah. you think about it, because the, the way that he wrote it was very, very cleverly written mm-hmm. that he was writing it from a villain's standpoint, but a villain that is almost reveling in the fact that he gets to be finally gets to be Spider-Man mm-hmm. that he pulled a trick over like I, I will you will die without ever knowing you know, the secret to my greatest trick. Right. Um, Mara, now you didn't read the book, but you got it spoiled. Uh, well, I, I kind of just skimmed through the last half of it. Okay. Um, only the part where Cap says to, I guess it's Octavius at this point, mm-hmm. um, that uh, that Doc Ock is requesting him. And just, just those few pages at the end, it's so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, and I think it's on purpose the way that they are, they, he's drawn. But when you see him at first, he looks like a deformed monster. But then the moment where he says, I am Peter Parker, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, he there's a humanity to the way he looks. Like, his, mm-hmm. his, his head isn't as deformed. It's more human-shaped. There's a more of a sadness to look in his, the look on uh, in his eyes and stuff. Um, and I, I found that to be really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when you first heard about the Omar not having read it, did it sound like a gimmick to you? Were you interested in it? What was your thoughts? All- all that was told to me was Peter Parker's dead. I was like, great, thanks. You didn't give me any <laughs> other information. You just told me Peter Parker's dead. Gotcha. And um, so, I mean, I was interested in, A, is he going to stay dead? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's my first question. I mean, He's Johnny dead, Storm though. didn't stay dead. Um, Steve Rogers didn't stay dead. I mean, I just, mm. you well, know, it, it comes across. The issue. I don't know about that because if you the panels he go he flatlines and then they're mm-hmm. they're using the crash card on him and Spider Man leaves the room. Mm-hmm. The last right. we see, they're trying to revive right, him. Yeah. So you know he could mm-hmm. go back into you know coma puss or whatever. <laughs> well, there, there's a certain degree of like where does it go from here? You know, it it really because you you have to you can't just leave Doc Ock in Spider Man's body forever. Right. I mean that. Can you? I mean, this just doesn't seem right. No, no, it does not. It seems sacrilegious to me. Like, yeah. 
one of Marvel's oldest characters now housing a villain inside. Mm-hmm. For how long can we can that be kept up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many people could he eventually fool that have known him for however in the books he's Spider Man for ten years or seven years? So he's known Johnny Storm for all this time. Right. Whatever, you're not going to be able to fool him. I mean, I think that you get to seven hundred, and I think that the, I think that's going to be the end of this Doc Ock, you know, possession storyline. I think they're going to start fresh and superior. And whether it's Peter, it's we know it's not Peter as Spider Man. I mean, this casts a pall over that. So if it's maybe it's peter's body just not peter parker the person um but we just don't know yet i mean there are other characters in the marvel universe who have spider-man like powers of scarlet spider i don't think his book's ending and the ben riley rumor persists because at this point it would make sense to have somebody who was a clone of peter parker come and take over while this is happening you know somebody who has the you know the ethics of peter you know that that is not possessed by this character who could take over for a while so I mean, we'll see what happens with that, but um, it's very interesting. Uh, this is not what I ex- expected to see. You know, I expected like a last gasp from Doc Ock, because that's been the rumor. I did not expect this to be the the, the final, you know, play by right. that villain. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So it, it's great. I mean, you can, you know, obviously, I hope you're not listening to this if you had if you had not read Spider Man. Mm-hmm. 698, but rest assured, you can start reading in this issue pretty well and not have read uh, a lot coming up. I mean, obviously, there's, it's paying off things that have been going on for a while, but I think it's a good jumping on issue for people who have not been reading. We'd have to assume in 699 and 700, the flashbacks to where the changes happen or wherever will be laid out. Yeah, you would think so. More directly. You would absolutely think well, so. Well, the, uh, the next issue is supposedly the turning over of the cards. They're going to okay. show you They're going to show you how you did it. Okay. Like the next, the next issue, that's the spoilers going on mm-hmm. now online, is that, you know, it got out and now people know kind of how this happened. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm going to try to avoid it. Yeah. I think it's another week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be rough. Yeah, <laughs> it will be very rough to try to avoid it. All right, so um, that's it for the Spider-Man talk. Uh, we already did our goodbyes, so uh, that's it for the show.